Welcome to Trinity Presbyterian Church Owasso Sermon Podcast. Grace changes everything. Brett Archibald will never forget the doom that he felt when he saw the boat sailing away. Archibald was a young father of two children, six and nine. He had a beautiful wife, and he and some buddies decided to go out on a guy's trip and go surf off the coast of Indonesia. They all got food poisoning on the trip, and if you've ever been on a boat and you've gotten food poisoning, it is just horrible. You can't go anywhere. And so late in the night, one night, Brett gets up to get sick over the edge of the boat and he is dizzy and he loses his footing and he falls overboard. It's the middle of the night in the Indian Ocean. Nobody heard him fall overboard and he looked up and he saw the boat sailing away. Alone, treading water, his first thought was, this is how I'm going to die. In Psalm 57, David writes in the midst of being completely overwhelmed. He is on the run for his life. He's trapped in a cave, and the king of the nation with his men is after him to kill him. And there he is hiding in a cave, and he feels totally overwhelmed. He feels like he's fallen overboard watching a boat sail away. And David is certain, alone, hearing his own voice echo off the cave walls. The moonlight clouded by the entrance of the cave in pitch black darkness. And he thought this was going to be the end. What the amazing thing is about the Psalms is as you read them, so many of the Psalms are written in periods of David's life where he is absolutely desperate. And this is one of them. I want you to think about Brett Archibald, and I want you to think about King David this morning, and I want you to think about a time in your life, perhaps even now, when you have been over, in over your head. Desperate. It may not be a physical desperation like it was for Brett Archibald. It might not be a physical devastation like it was for King David, but it might be an emotional one. What about right now? Where do you feel in over your head? Where do you see the proverbial boat sailing away? Or is it that you feel trapped? And listen, it might be like somebody told me this week that they spend a quarter of their income every month just paying for their AC bill. Maybe you're trying to make ends meet, consistently trying to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Maybe it's because you can't control the behavior of your children. Maybe it's because there's a relationship within your family that has created such tension that it's hard to be together right now. Maybe it's because you're transitioning jobs. Maybe it's because you're in a new place, settling into a new home. Maybe it's because you're about to start a new school year that just seems overwhelming to you. Some of you just got your course schedules I want you to take that situation in which you feel desperate or imagine yourself in the position of feeling desperate. And I want you to use it as a case study as the Psalms are intended to be to help us see that when we are desperate 
And when it seems as though it is against all odds for our survival, Psalm 57 teaches us that it is God's, because of God's steadfast love and His faithfulness, you can indeed, O Christian, defy the odds. And not only survive, but you can actually, in the midst of that desperation, perhaps thrive in a way that you never imagined doing so. If you have your sermon outline, you can take it and you can follow in with us with the notes. And children, if you are not used to taking sermon notes, I'd encourage you to get a pen from mom and dad and practice filling in the blanks as we go throughout the course of the sermon this morning. Psalm 57 teaches us, and this is the main point for you note takers, that because of God's steadfast love and His faithfulness, you can defy the odds. How? First, you can confidently appeal to God for help. Because of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, confidently appeal to God for help. Look at verses 1 to 5. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. It's astounding that David, in the midst of being alone, in the pitch black darkness of that cave, thinking that he is about to die, the first place he goes is he cries to God and he appeals to him for his mercy. Where do you go when you feel desperate? Because of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, you can confidently appeal to God for help. I met a man recently who had this amazing grasp of the Bible. And he was, for all practical purposes, in every room in which I saw this man, the smartest guy in the room. He knew God's Word. He was brilliant as the world judges brilliance. But what was interesting about this man is though he had all the knowledge in the world whenever there was a situation in his family that really caused him to be desperate. And he was a member in the local church. When he felt desperate and when he felt vulnerable, do you think that desperation called him to appeal to God confidently to move toward his church community? No, no, no. He, like many of you, have been tempted and like I have been tempted whenever he was most desperate, and to the degree that he was desperate, he actually withdrew from community, stopped going to community group, stopped availing himself to the greatest resource in his life, appealing to God for help, and moving toward his community group and toward the church for help to work through this very emotionally exhausting situation in his life. How about for you? We can confidently appeal. Why? Because we can confidently appeal in his, verse 1, in his mercy. Be confident, friends, in his mercy, verse 1. The Hebrew word for the term refuge in this line is the Hebrew word kasah. Can you say that word? Kasah. It's a Hebrew word that reflects the image of a mother hen protecting or providing refuge for her chicks, bringing her close, bringing her in. And one of the ways that we appeal to God's mercy in the church is that you don't withdraw from the church whenever you find yourself desperate. You actually lean into the church. It means that you grab your connect card and you ask, how can we pray for you on the back? And you say, please pray for me in this way. And so you've got dozens of people praying for you, including our elders who are meeting every Tuesday night to pray for those prayer requests. You can be confident in His mercy. We can breathe and inhale without pain. Do you know that's an act of mercy? 
There are people with emphysema right now who when they breathe in, it's incredibly painful for them. But you don't have that pain. That is an act of mercy. Children, think about all the ways that you live and breathe without pain. Do you know what that, that is God sustaining you that very minute by the power of his word in the midst of a fallen world. Amen? So when you see people that are sick and they're suffering the effects of the fall, they too can appeal because God is a merciful God. Not only is he merciful, but second, you can be confident in his protection. Look what it says. In you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. David uses that image because of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Look what he says down in verse 3. He will send out his kessed love, his steadfast love and faithfulness for you. He will protect you. And this doesn't mean that he's going to protect your life on earth. When um, in the early church, when Athanasius said of Julian, the emperor, when he was uh, furiously persecuting the early church, Athanasius, he said it in Latin. He said, Nebuculum est quito transibit. He said to the church, Julian, our emperor, is like a little cloud that will float away. But he didn't feel like a little cloud in the early church because he was killing Christians. And God doesn't promise that he'll protect your life, but he does promise that he will protect you eternally. He promises that he will keep you, that he will protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks, that he will one day get you to the end, and that in the New Jerusalem, of which... This world is just a glimmer of a shadow of the realities of that world, fallen as it is. When it is remade into all of its glorious splendor, He will remind us that He has protected us to the end. Some of us in this room, however, may not have that protection. And that protection doesn't come from our good labors. Do you know that the, the, the state motto of Oklahoma, anybody know the state motto of Oklahoma? Labor omnia winket. Work conquers all. Which is, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you're going to survive. You know what the gospel's motto is? Gratia omnia, omnia mutat. Grace changes everything. It's the exact opposite of this state motto. Why? Because it is not through your good works that you're saved and that you're protected ultimately. Should you work hard? Absolutely. But it is ultimately because of the Lord's grace. And he has protected you and he will see you to the end. Not only can you be confident in his mercy, you can be confident in his protection. Thirdly, you can be confident in his purpose. Gamar, the word that he uses to mean complete or finish, it says, and it says that God will send out his love and faithfulness. He will fulfill, verse 2, his purpose for me, his gemar. It's used five times all in the book of Psalms. It means that he will bring to completeness. He will fulfill your purpose. And some of you who struggle with knowing if God is purposely at work in your heart, you can take confidence that he is at work in your heart. And he will fulfill his purpose in you. God has planned your days even before one of them came to be. He knows where you are and it has not taken him by surprise even though you're confused by it. And he loves you. 
You can be confident in his mercy. You can be confident in his protection. You can be confident in his purpose. There's an old preacher story about a man who was stuck in a flood. Have you heard this one? He was stuck in the flood, and when the flood came into his door, he, he came out onto his porch. And when he was on his porch, you know, the, the rescue guys came by in a jeep, and they said, hey, get in. And he, being a good man of faith, said, no, 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 God's going to save me. It's okay. Go ahead and get others. So they went on, and they got others. And then the waters rose, and he got on top of his roof. And, and then a, a, somebody came by in a boat, and he said, hey, get in, get in. The waters are rising. And he said, no, no, I'm a man of faith. I'm... God's going to save me. The waters kept rising. He gets on his chimney, and a helicopter comes and lowers a rope and says, get on the rope. We are the last hope. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm a believer. I have faith. God is going to save me. And the waters come up, and he perishes. And in glory, he says to Jesus, Jesus, I had faith. Where were you? And Jesus says, well, buddy, I love you, but I sent you a jeep, a boat, and a helicopter. And some of you need to know that Jesus has sent you a church. He has sent you a people. Here is David in the midst of a cave. He is alone. But do you know who he calls out for help? He calls out help to the God of Israel, who through his covenant and loyal and steadfast love has made a covenant with his people that he will provide for us. And he has provided for you. Not just in, in material ways like Chuck talked about earlier and us being able to celebrate being in our new building which will be amazing but there's an even bigger story than that that God by his mercy by his protection and by his purpose he has called you to trust in him when you feel like you are in over the over your heads because you can oh Christian defy the odds in Return of the King, Tolkien says that there is a light and a beauty forever beyond the reach of any evil shadows in this world. And that is not a quote of stoic defiance to the world. It is a quote of fierce hope. Jonathan Edwards said that the universe is an endless ocean of God's joy and glory, and we are caught temporarily in a little drop of sadness in an ocean of his joy and happiness. Eventually, all of that will be removed. And regardless of what happens immediately to believers, eventually it will be all right. And God will fulfill his purpose. So first, because of God's steadfast love, verses 1 to 5, we can confidently appeal to him for help. And secondly, because of his steadfast love and faithfulness, you can take confidence in his goodness. Amen? The Lord is good. Although the way you've defined goodness sometimes confuses you. Notice what the text says. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amidst fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth and spears are arrows. In other words, people are saying things about me online. I feel like my soul is about to be ripped to shreds. And yet, what does he do in verse 5? He says that you can be confident in the midst of that in your security. You can be confident in your security. Look what he says in verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O Lord. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Verse 5, he says, be exalted, O God. 
I feel like I'm being ripped to shreds. Be exalted among the heavens. Notice the way that he doesn't just stare at his issues, but he changes his gaze. Please hear me, church. He takes his gaze in the midst of his desperation, and he looks to the beauty and the glory and the grandeur of God, which sets his temporary, temporary desperation in stark relief to a far bigger and greater story than what he's going through at the time. We can be confident in our security. And if you don't believe that, read Psalm four, uh, Isaiah 43 sometime this week. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, he says, and you are mine. You're secure. You can never be snatched out of my hands. There's a place in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says, after we had visited the prisoners, there was a persecuted church, they were in prison, and the uh, author of Hebrews says that the Christians went and visited the, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, that we suffered the plundering of our property to go and visit them, Hebrews 10, 23. In order that we might gain, our house burned down. We didn't have any income to pay for the electricity bill. We lost our jobs because we were caring for each other. And in the midst of the plundering of their property, they sang. That is defying the odds. And the world looks at that and thinks, man, they ought to be admitted. But friends, as Christians, we're called to defy the odds. Why? Because of his steadfast love. Because of his faithfulness. We can appeal to God for help. And because of his steadfast love and because of his faithfulness, we can take confidence in his goodness because we have security. And our security is given to us not because of our own good works. It's given to us because there was one who came and who gave up his security for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross for us so that we who were radically insecure might see the only one who's been truly secure for all eternity, who gave that up in order to guarantee your security forever. He died for you. He knew you. He had your name on his mind, and he died for you. Alex, Jamie, Sophia, Tamara, Caleb, he knew you. He did it for you. And he can take you like a mother hen takes her chicks, and he can bring you close whenever you feel desperate. Not only can you be confident in your security, verse 7, but you can be confident in your praise. Verses 8 to 11. Verses 8 to 11 is just astounding that David can immediately come to praise. You know, it reminds me of the story of Horatio Spofford. Do you know, remember this old story? Horatio Spofford was a man who lived at the end of the 19th century. He was a very wealthy businessman. He was a lawyer. He lived in Chicago. He had a wife. Her name was Anna. He had five children, a boy and four daughters. One year in their life, their young boy got uh, pneumonia and he died, and later that year in the great fire of Chicago, the Spoffords lost almost all of their business. And a couple years later, they were gonna go and take a trip to Paris, and they bought a ticket for the Ville du Havre, an ocean liner that was gonna go from New York to Bristol. But Horatio had some business in Chicago that came up that he had to stay and he had to solve some problems. And so he sent Anna and 
their four girls onto the boat and they set sail four days into the trip. An Irish ironclad vessel named the Loch Urn collided with the Ville du Havois. And the captain, to his horror, saw everybody, all the passengers, all 313 of them, come out of their beds. It was the middle of the night. They all came to the deck. And the captain tried to, re- to tell them, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But people looked around. They knew it was not going to be okay. And in 12 minutes, the Ville du Havois had submerged. And they found this woman clinging to some of the debris. She was unconscious. They pulled her aboard, and they learned that her name was Anne. And when they got her finally to Wales, she sent a telegram back to Chicago. And the telegram began, Only I am saved. What shall I do? And so Horatio got the first boat he could find over to Europe, and he set sail, and when he got four days into his trip, the captain of the ship called him into his chambers, and he said, "Uh, Mr. Spofford, I want you to know that we are over the place where the Ville du Houvois went down. And he opened his journal, and he began to write. And what he wrote later was taken by Philip Bliss, who composed it and put it to a tune that he calls the Ville du Havois. And you may know what Horatio Spofford wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way. You know that song? Sing it with me. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Friends, because of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, you can defy the odds. And he knows where you're desperate. Horatio and Anna lost all five of their children. Brett Archibald treaded water for 29 hours. He was hallucinating and he knew that he was going to die there. And when you read Psalm 57, it's as though you read the billows into it. Be merciful to be merciful. Oh God, my head is above the water. And then my soul is in the midst of fiery lions. And mid the beasts, he goes under. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. It's as though our head comes back up above the waters. And they set a net for my steps that if my soul was bowed down, it's as though we're back under. 
But my heart is steadfast, O Lord, my heart is steadfast. And he ends the psalm with his head above water. And Brett Archibald was hallucinating, and he saw in the midst of one of his hallucinations this black cross. And he said he stayed alive by reciting the cell phone numbers of his friends and singing Elton John lyrics. And he saw this black cross come nearer and nearer to him as he reached the point of death. And as it came nearer, he recognized that it was actually the masthead of an Australian vessel that had joined the, re- the uh, search party, known the Baron Joy. And the captain radioed in that they had found Brett Archibald alive, and they pulled Brett Archibald onto that deck, and they resuscitated, revived him, and got him back in shape to deliver to his wife and his two kids. Friends, some of you, as you come to the Lord's table this morning, you come limping, and you're going to have to come at the hand of your friends. But you made vows to each other. Do you remember those? You made vows to each other to pray for, to fight for, to care for, to love one another, and that's the beauty of the church. And so, O Trinity, would you, because of his steadfast love and faithfulness, would you be confident that you can appeal to him in time of help? Would you be confident in his mercy? Would you be confident in his protection? Would you be confident in his purpose? Because of his steadfast love and faithfulness, you can take confidence in his goodness. Be confident in your security, and you can be confident in your praise. Because God will be faithful to his promise for his glory and for the extension of his fame. And he will protect you to the end. Let's pray together.